It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Oh, wait, we don't do that anymore. Anyways, it is Thursday, November. Sorry, non-November. Boy, really getting off on the wrong foot tonight. This is what happens when Mr. Mark Hamilton leaves me alone. It is December 2nd, 2021. Can you believe it? We are already into the last month of the year. How the heck are you guys doing tonight? And as you may have noticed, I am the square root of Mark Squared, Mr. Mark Hamilton, away from the show for this week. Uh, maybe a little longer for some personal reasons. He'll be back uh, soon enough. And, well, it's not like we haven't done this before. I did this for quite uh, some time. And I must admit, I am feeling the pressure a little bit uh, tonight. But I will do what I can. And I hope you guys will be kind to me. Because I don't have the crutch of my good friend, Mr. Hamilton, to to pull me out from saving myself of saying something silly. But anyways, that is another matter for another day. But uh, glad that you are all here joining me tonight. Hopefully some of you will join in on the live stream. No, a little bit later than usual tonight. We try to get on the air here at about 9 p.m. Pacific or midnight Eastern. Love to do it a little bit earlier, but things typically don't work out that way. All right, lots of things to talk about tonight. The inaugural Saudi Arabian Grand Prix goes this weekend. FP1 starting in just a few hours from now. But before we dive into the news, we do have, uh, well, I do have one reminder, and that is, of course, the promotion, the contest we're running at the moment moment with the Race Weekend magazine, and we are giving away in conjunction with uh, Magnus Greaves, the publisher of uh, Race Weekend ma uh, magazine, one subscription to one lucky listener, doesn't matter if you're in the North Pole, in the South Pole, anywhere in between, all four corners of the globe, we will get you a subscription. Easiest way to enter, well, the only way to enter, go to Twitter, search us up at f one Pod. Follow us, like the tweet, retweet the tweet, it's in our feed somewhere, and you're automatically entered. And very soon we will pick one lucky winner. And uh, again, you've heard us talk ad nauseum almost about uh, the Race Weekend uh, magazine, but uh, totally a high quality thing. So uh, I'm totally uh, looking forward to uh, getting that out to, to, to one person. Anyways, let's just jump into it right away this uh, evening. This is uh, not uh, anything new, but uh, definitely it has to be mentioned, and that is the sad news that Sir Frank Williams passed away earlier this week on Sunday at the uh, the age of 79. He was uh, admitted to, to hospital uh, earlier that day, passed away peacefully, surrounded uh, by his uh, family. And uh, Sir Frank, one of the legends in Formula One until, uh, well, I mean, uh, the, the, the whole time, but uh, of course... The team that uh, he founded is uh, still running. He, uh, well, there's uh, when, when he was in charge, and I mean, the last time they won a race was was Spanish Grand Prix back in 2012 with the crash tour Maldonado. Pastor Maldonado, I know, I get the joke. Uh, that was uh, somewhat um, you know, unexpected. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyways, 
that uh, Williams' team has uh, won 114 Formula One victory, seven drivers' titles, nine constructors' championships, and is one of the best teams, well, best known teams on the grid. Obviously, in more recent times, uh, well, let's be kind. Let's just say that results have been very difficult to come by. Good results, uh, that is. But uh, very uh, sad news to hear that uh, Sir Frank had passed away. Frank uh, confined to a wheelchair for a very, very long time. Of course, uh, for those of you that might be a little bit uh, newer to the sport, uh, Sir Frank was uh, badly injured in a car crash uh, going from uh, Paul Ricard to to the airport uh, way back in 1986, clipped uh, a wall or something like that. I believe he was trying to catch a a flight to get back to the UK. He was a a keen marathon and long distance runner. I guess uh, they were late for their flight and that was uh, a real, real tragedy, but uh, that obviously didn't hamper him or hold him back. I mean, uh, lots of the success that he had in the sport came after that, but they did found the team way back in 1977 and he ran cars prior to that in Formula 2 and Formula 3. He, um, well, I mean, some of the iconic names in Formula 1 drove for Sir Sir Frank. Uh, I mean, Clay Regazzoni drove for him, Keke Rosberg, Alan Jones, Nelson Piquet, Nigel Mansell, Alan Prost, I think I already mentioned, Damon Hill, Jacques Villeneuve, Ayrton Senna, of course, in a very tragically cut short uh, career and life, of course. Anyways, as as I said, uh, they have. Uh, it's been tough, tough times for for Williams, and of course, Sir, Sir Frank and the Williams family sold the team only just a, a year ago to uh, Derilton Capital, who have kept uh, the the team and the branding, and hopefully they continue for a very, very long time. Now, I saw as it, part of the tributes uh, to Sir Frank that have been out uh, this week, and there have been many, many, many moving tributes. Uh, but uh, there was one cool article I saw on Motorsport.com. I think uh, it's. Uh, I don't think it's behind the paywall so definitely go uh, check it out it's called uh, top 10 williams drivers uh, ranked mansell hill montoya and more so let's go down the list top 10 williams drivers number 10 ricardo patrese he uh, raced uh, in 1987, just one race that year, from 88 to 92, won four uh, races with them, no titles. Number nine, Ralph Schumacher, younger brother the, of uh, Michael, raced for five seasons with the Grove Outfit from 99 to 2004, winning six races. Juan Pablo Montoya, JPM, raced from 01 to 04, four wins, no championships. Number seven on the list, JV, Canadian, driver, of course, son of the legendary Gilles Villeneuve, raced uh, with Williams from 96 to 98, won 11 races, and won the world championship in 1997. Number six, Alain Prost, three-time world champion, uh, raced for Williams just one season in 93, winning seven races and winning the the championship that year. Number five on the list, Nelson Piquet, raced for Williams in 86 and 87, claiming six wins and won the world championship in 1987. I I always felt that uh, he raced longer for Williams than 86 and 87, but I was quite young at the time and... Well, maybe my memory isn't as good as I thought it was. Uh, number four on the list, Keke Rosberg, father of Nico, 
and uh, of course uh, he was a world champion. He won the the, uh, the world uh, sorry the drivers championship way back in 1982. Raced for Williams from 82 to 85, winning five races. Of course, uh, Keke and uh, Nico, a father son tandem of world champions. Damon Hill uh, raced uh, for Williams from 93 to 96. He comes in third on the list, 21 wins, and won the World Championship in 96. Number two on the list is Alan Jones, the Australian uh, race for Williams from 78 to 81. Uh, won uh, 11 races for the team and won the world championship in 1980. Now, number one on the list, and if you're a longtime fan of Formula One, or if you're new to Formula One, if you've really done your history, this name should not be a surprise at all. This uh, this is my personal all-time favorite driver, and that is the one and only Nigel Mansell, raced for Williams from 85 to 88, 91 to 92, and 1994, won 28 races with uh, Williams, won the World Championship in 92, and Nigel, absolutely my most favorite driver of all times. <clears throat> Pardon me. I think uh, my first introduction to, to, to Nigel and his never-say-die attitude goes back to, I think it was 1985. I remember watching the European Grand Prix at Brands Hatch. I remember a phenomenal uh, pit stop that Williams and Nigel had. I think he went on to win that race. I tried to search it up and watch it again on the F1 TV app. Didn't find it at the time, but I haven't subsequently uh, gone back uh, to watch that course in 1986 a year later he went on to challenge for the world championship came down to the very last race of the year in australia at adelaide and he had a a huge tire blowout and uh, just like uh, his tire his uh, championship aspirations uh, went up in a big bang at that season and that uh, stayed with me for a long time he also raced uh, for ferrari also went to spend some time in the usa racing at indy and um, he was just one of those uh, drivers that had something special. And I I think that uh, one of the reasons that I was so uh, really impressed by the drive of uh, Lewis Hamilton in Brazil a couple of weeks ago, and of course, Lewis has the best car at the moment, and there was a lot, uh, you know, a lot to do with that. But the way that he cut his way through the field really reminded me, I think, uh, of of Nigel and some of the what we used to call in my family a Mansell charge. And uh, going back and just remembering all those races in that time in the late 80s, early 90s. And of course, uh, Nigel had a a stint at Ferrari in the late 80s, early 90s when they weren't at their best, but uh, was good for some race wins here and there. And uh, the Italians, the Tifosi dubbing him Il Leone, the Lion, which is uh, very uh, fitting. But, uh, you know, totally one of the greatest uh, drivers uh, that that I've ever watched and uh, certainly deserves to be in the number one spot on that top 10 Williams drivers of all times. So let's just uh, stick with uh, Williams here. There's plenty of uh, news here. Uh, Yas Capito is the, the current uh, team uh, team principal. He won't be attending the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix at uh, Jeddah this weekend after testing positive uh, for COVID-19. Williams said in a statement that was released earlier today on Thursday uh, before the, uh, the, the, the race this weekend that uh, Capito had in fact not traveled to Saudi Arabia because of his positive test. And uh, the release said 
says as follows, quote, Williams Racing can confirm that CEO and team principal Yas Capito was tested positive for COVID-19 prior, prior to traveling to Jeddah for this weekend's Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Yost is now following UK National Health Authority guidelines. There has been no wider impact on the Williams Racing personnel and the team will continue to operate trackside as planned, end quote. So again, just uh, it's just this world that we live in, right? It seems uh, all the time we hear of somebody notable or not notable, uh, even in our own lives, somebody uh, testing positive COVID. Hopefully uh, he is um, feeling well and uh, will uh, recover uh, quickly. But uh, you know, Williams, certainly just kind of going back to the initial discussion, I mean, a very, very successful team. We've, we've seen some flashes of uh, potential improvements this year, not totally, totally uh, as bad as they've been over the past uh, couple of years. So hopefully they're getting that uh, turned around. And uh, Rocky in the, the live chat on YouTube uh, just weighing in and he says, uh, when I was a kid, I met Nigel in autograph session at Kmart when he raced Indy. He looked bored and annoyed until I was the only kid that had a Formula One kit car for him to sign and he was super stoked. <laughs> that's a great story. I uh, love to, to, to hear that. I mean, but that's the thing, you know, a, a lot of the times, I mean, when you have, uh, I mean, especially in those days, I mean, nowadays, I mean, you got social media, the internet. I mean, back in the early 90s, I mean, the internet was still just uh, taking off, literally. It wasn't really, I mean, we, we didn't have the coverage like we did now. I mean, um, the, the way that we followed it was uh, magazines and things like that. And I think at that time, if I remember correctly, we did get the full races. I remember when I was a kid watching uh, watching Formula One, certainly when it was on CBC, our national uh, broadcaster here in Canada, it was extended highlights. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if it was an hour, 30 minutes, I can't remember what it was, but I remember... Probably in the early 90s, it switched over to TSN, where it's been most of the time since. I know that Formula One was also on Speed Channel when was that, uh, you know, when that was a thing, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But I remember being able to watch a race in its entirety. I thought thought it was amazing, you know, commercials uh, notwithstanding. Uh, Anyways, uh, just sticking with uh, Williams here before we go into the, uh, the, the break. Welcome to one and all who are listening. For those of you uh, joining in the live stream on YouTube, I see Rocky, I see Michelle G., Welcome, guys. Good to see you this evening. Keeping me company without uh, my good friend, Mr. Hamilton. But anyways, uh, sticking with Williams here, they have also hired XVW Motorsport uh, boss as their new sporting director. And, uh, well, I guess this is not really a surprise considering the connection uh, with uh, Yoska Capito. Anyways, uh, they have signed Sven Smeets, who has joined uh, their as their for- Formula One sporting director as of last month. So he will um, be working there alongside uh, Yoska Capito. He was in charge of three consecutive uh, drivers and manufacturers titles when uh, VW was in uh, the W, uh, sorry, World Rally Championship. And then he took over the Marks uh, Motorsport uh, director in 2016 after Capito joined uh, McLaren in Formula One. He stayed as the Motorsport uh, director at Volkswagen uh, for uh, about four years and has now joined the senior management team at Williams as their ongoing uh, restructuring program. And well, hey, if McLaren can do it, if they can turn it around in a relative short amount of time like they did uh, you know since well I mean 2015 2016 was was the the real nader the real bottom point of uh, McLaren if they can do it and they can be back up challenging for the occasional podium I'm hoping that uh, Williams uh, can can do the same thing but when one team rises somebody's got to fall to the bottom and <laughs> well we can all speculate uh, who that may or may not be anyways time for a quick break don't go away we'll be back in 
just a couple of seconds. What am I saying? We, I will be back in just a, a few moments. So don't go away. I'll catch you on the flip side. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And I haven't seen uh, not Mark Hamilton pop up in the live stream on YouTube. So I guess uh, he is not taken to his burner account uh, yet uh, just to, to spy on me to make sure that I'm not letting the team down. But uh, I'm just uh, being a little bit uh, silly. Hey, anyway, so one thing I wanted to talk about that caught my eye this week, Andrea Seidel, team principal at uh, McLaren, has weighed in on the the stewards um controversy. I think that's the best way to des- uh, describe it. I mean, we've we've talked about it. We've discussed it in spaces. We've t- talked about it uh, just in uh, you know, just in, in Twitter, in emails that have come in and I mean, the, the whole debate about st- stewards and consistency and the application of the rules and track limits and all these different things that have been very controversial over the, almost the entire length of the season has uh, taken, I wouldn't say a, a new turn or a new twist in the story this year, what with the comments of uh, Seidel, but it certainly uh, adds an interesting uh, flavor, uh, an interesting point of view. And uh, Mr. Seidel believes that uh, Formula 1 doesn't need permanent stewards for consistent uh, decisions. Now, I think that's a little bit contrary to what we've been saying. I think that's contrary to a lot of people that uh, that have been weighing in, both, um, you know, those in the know, you know, people that uh, that are experts on Formula 1 and just uh, regular fans like uh, like you and I who want to see rules consistently applied and and, and uh, judged upon each and every race uh, to be made in you know in a reasonable amount of time and uh, to the letter of the law anyways uh, Seidel's uh, comments are as follows quote to be honest my opinion hasn't changed on this I don't think that not having permanent stewards is the issue to be honest because as far as I understand whenever there's a case popping up the first thing that the stewards are doing is going back through the history of cases and see racing precedents and check if it is comparable or not in order to 
try and be consistent. I understand that after each race weekend, there's a lot of exchange between stewards to make sure everyone is on the same level of information and understand what has happened in detail. That's why I don't think there is a big issue in my opinion. There's a reason why many people were in favor in the past of a rotating system of drivers, stewards, to make sure they didn't build up negativity of, for example, to a certain team or driver, and I think that is a good point. I don't think it is the biggest issue. With modern technology, there's a permanent exchange from everyone involved. I think this exchange is required to make sure it's consistent between the stewards involved, end quote. Yeah, sure. I mean, certainly, I mean, the the, the technology involved and the data that's, uh, and, and the camera angles and all that sort of stuff, the telemetry that the stewards need to really rule on an incident, whatever it might be, if it comes from scrutineering, if it's a track, uh, in, you know, there, there's a track, a racing incident, whatever it is, sure, they have to have all that, uh, you know, all that information at their disposal conveniently in a timely manner to, to make the decision that they need to make, right? But I, I think that I do differ from from Andreas Seidel on this point, and I, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I would like to see at the very least some sort of a minimum qualification that the stewards uh, must have. I mean, there, there's no doubt that these people are very qualified, but uh, I mean, I think that has been, it, it's been a perception issue, I think more than than anything else, right? I mean, the, the people involved, the people that get called in, I mean, they're all very experienced. Some of them have been former drivers, whatever it might be. And sure, they, they know Formula One, they know the racing, but when it's been controversial at times uh, this year. I think just the fact that they do rotate through different people and sure, I mean, if you have the experience, that's one thing, but I think that that, that some sort of minimum qualification would be uh, would be the way to go. So, interesting point of view from from Andreas Seidel and uh, be interested to hear what, uh, what you guys think. Be uh, interesting to hear what other people might uh, have to say when they weigh on this, uh, you know, this uh, point of thought as well. Now, Danny Ricardo, uh, former Former teammate of Max Verstappen, current, sorry, I was going to say Williams driver, pardon me, current McLaren driver says that his former teammate of Verstappen has polished up his aggression on the track, but uh, he still has to say that his approach to battles with teammates, or sorry, rivals on the track remains uh, unchanged. Anyways, uh, Ricardo and and uh, Verstappen were partners at Red Bull from 2016 to 2018 before Danny Rick uh, moved over to uh, Renault and then of course this year moved over to uh, McLaren and uh, he believes that uh, that uh, Max Verstappen has uh, has uh, matured and that has helped him avoid more incidents uh, with uh, with his uh, you know his rivals on the track but he still thinks that uh, that the aggression that Max has that he witnessed uh, is still there in his personality and I think that's uh, a very valid point. Anyways, Danny Rick had to say, quote, I think in general, being his teammate, I don't know if I have any more knowledge than everyone watching from the outside, because I think, teammate or not, we know Max. You know, the caliber of driving, how he races. I think he always came in with an aggressive approach, but I think he certainly matured over time and certainly finds himself in less incidents or accidents as I feel he was in the first year or so in F1. So I think he's definitely polished up his aggression, but still has it. I don't know whether the move was right or wrong, fighting for a win and I guess the championship at this stage you're obviously going to try and fight for as long as you can and do everything that you can do to hold on to a lead and obviously that was the one that took them both off he's talking about Monza now so maybe that was over the limit but yeah I don't think anything has changed over time as I said since the first year I think he's matured but I think in the last few years the approach hasn't changed I think that's in a way what I've always respected is that you know what you're going to get when you raced hard with Max end quote yeah and I mean 
mean, there, there's no doubt that Max has uh, certainly matured over the time. I mean, part of that, I think, was mandated because, uh, you know, there's that rule that came in because we all kind of remember that infamous Verstappen slide he would do under braking. And uh, that was uh, ultimately ruled upon as uh, being a no-no. But I mean, he certainly is an aggressive driver. I mean, you give Max uh, an inch, he's going to he's going to you know see that as much, much more. If he sees an opportunity to pass you, he's going to try and do it. And he's not afraid, uh, afraid to defend a position. But I think the big criticism of Max is when does you when does he go too far? Where is that limit? Uh, and I mean, certainly you go back to, to to Monza. That was a controversial one for sure. And was it avoidable? Yeah, absolutely, it was. I mean, um, you, you go to Brazil a couple of weeks ago. Did he push uh, Lewis wide again? I think that one is fifty fifty. And I think that uh, depending how, where you come out on that discussion, where your opinion is, lies a little bit more, and where your loyalties uh, lie. I mean, I, I can see the case uh, both that uh, that he pushed Lewis wide. I can see that the case that uh, that that he maybe outbraked himself, got on the dirty side of the track and all that. And certainly it was right borderline. It was right in that gray area of what uh, what was or what was not uh, allowable, right? And um, and certainly that that's that that aggression that uh, that that real diehard attitude that Max Verstappen has th- that that's going to be a part of him. I mean, I don't think that's going to, to 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 dissipate. I don't think that's going to wane. And I think that's a very good observation uh, from from Danny Ricardo. I mean, I think for me, one of the most um, telling moments in Max's young career so far. I mean, you have to remember how how young he actually is. And I mean, we we literally watched him grow up uh, before our eyes because I mean, when he came into Toro Rosso, I mean, he was uh, still a teenager. I mean, he's still only in his early 20s right now. So, I mean, it, we, we've literally watched him grow up and mature both as a person and as a racing driver in real time because he didn't race and he didn't come through the, the, the usual track of Formula 2, etc. I mean, he went straight into Formula 1. I mean, that's just how good that guy, you know, that, that guy is. I mean, when he got promoted from Toro Rosso to uh, Red Bull in 2016, wins his first race for the big team at uh, Spain. Of course, that, that was helped by the fact that Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton crashed into each other on the first lap of that race. So, I mean, I don't want to say that was by default because that would be a little bit unfair to Max because, I mean, he still had, was it 60, 70 odd laps uh, to, to race to pull that one off. So, I mean, that was just a taste of uh, things to come. And I mean, it was pretty obvious pretty early that that, that Max has all the, the, the pedigree and the talent and the skill to become a, a world champion. And the question is, uh, you know, do, does he have it uh, between the ears mentally? Does he have the car to do it? And certainly we've seen that uh, this year. I mean, ultimately, whether or not he goes on to win the the, the championship, I mean, let, let's check back and revisit this in a couple of weeks. He's been in that uh, title battle all season long. He doesn't seem to be put off uh, by Lewis Hamilton. Uh, he doesn't seem to be intimidated. And certainly, uh, he does have that. Uh, he, he does have that instinct uh, that you, you want in a driver that's going to be um, be a champion. But just to kind of go, go back to the point I wanted to make, one of those moments where he really needed to, to mature was at uh, at, uh, at at Monaco a couple of years ago. What was it? 2018, 2019? No, it must be 2018 now. I guess when he put it into the wall in FP3, and then the car was too badly damaged. He qualifies. So he didn't take part in qualifying. Starts from the back of the grid. And then he goes away from that one. And then I think he came to Montreal a couple of weeks uh, later, completely uh, refocused without his uh, usual entourage. And I mean, 
you know, I mean, his usual entourage is his dad and his, uh, his, his family and, you know, whatever, right? So, I mean, it's not like, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> who's to say I'm not included in Max's entourage, so I don't really know, uh, who, you know who he really brings. But, I mean, at least at that point, I mean, he showed a little bit more more focus. And I think that was one of those milestone moments for, uh, for, for Max Verstappen was Monaco at that year. And that really sort of set the foundations for, you know, the Max Verstappen that, uh, that, that we see now. Anyways, uh, moving along, uh, former world champion, current uh, Formula One pundit, uh, Damon Hill, another one of uh, my personal favorite drivers, uh, had to weigh in on the following, saying that uh, 2021, the championship ending in a Hamilton and Verstappen crash, would be what uh, Damon calls sad for this, uh, sad for Formula One. And, well, Damon should know something about this. Uh, I was cheering for Damon way back in the day in 1994 when it was a battle between himself racing for for Williams and between uh, a very young Michael Schumacher at the time who was uh, driving uh, for Benetton uh, they were you know they they were really really close it was going to come down to that race uh, Schumacher was uh, leading the race he drove him to the wall and then uh, ultimately uh, Damon saw a uh, an opening to try and pass Michael and uh, they collided and then uh, Michael I don't think was going to be able to finish that race I think that his right front uh, suspension was uh, badly damaged I don't think he was going to be able to, to keep uh, going. So anyways, uh, Damon tried to pass. Uh, Schumacher closed the door. They uh, collided. And then Damon's car was also too badly damaged. He goes back to the pits. And then uh, you know his race and his uh, bid for the championship uh, was over. It took him a couple more years to actually win it, finally in 96. Anyways, so when when, when uh, Damon Hill says that uh, a Hamilton-Verstappen race, or sorry, season championship deciding crash would be... Uh, would be be sad for Formula One. Anyways, Damon had the following to say, quote, let's say Max is in the lead and it comes to a wheel-to-wheel thing. I would say that for a driver to resist the temptation to be an aggressive defender is extremely high and it's very difficult to resist that. I think the point is how can the sport take steps to prevent an unhappy ending to the unhappy ending to this, you know? We've had enough of these championships decided controversially. And I think for all the good work that the sport does, it's slightly undone when you have an unsatisfactory resolution. Maybe some sort of clear indication before we go into this that they may decide to appoint a points penalty if we have a clash that is deemed to be unfair and that may be the only way of preventing something like that happening end quote and certainly i mean we've seen that before i mean everybody uh that was around at the time everybody that's gone back and uh, revisited formula one will remember michael schumacher and jacques Villeneuve at uh, jerez in portugal in 1997 schumacher doing what my dad used to call the schumacher chop and uh, that was one of those things too that was a, a season decider i mean schumacher was ultimately you know banned for the you know and and removed and had those points canceled i mean schumacher was basically canceled from the 1997 uh, season i mean go back and if you haven't seen it go to netflix if you got a subscription check out the schumacher uh, documentary that dropped uh, a couple of months ago because it really dives into that incident uh, really quite well and uh, it really de- describes you know schumacher you know the fallout and also schumacher's uh, point of view which you know i i thought was maybe a little bit apologist but i guess maybe you can expect that when it was a very pro michael schumacher uh, documentary i mean 
Yeah, I mean, there, there was criticism leveled, but was it uh, critical enough? Yeah, that, that's an open question. So go watch it and uh, make up your own mind and uh, let me know uh, what you think. But certainly, I think what uh, what Damon has to say is, I mean, for what's basically been a phenomenal season, has been a battle right uh, from the very first uh, race at Bahrain, would be very unsatisfactory if we, we saw these two guys come together <clears throat> Pardon me. See, maybe like a crash we saw at Monza, but at this time, instead of both of them uh, being uh, forced to retire, one of them keeps going, especially if Lewis or Max is the 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 instigator and the one at fault, and they go on to to win the championship. And that, that would really spoil the season. I think a lot of the goodwill and a lot of the interest that, that's been there along the way. And I think that uh, Damon has made a, a really, really good point in, in that, saying that uh, perhaps they can be clear, saying beforehand that, uh, you know, if... If, if something happens between you guys, it decides the race and ultimately the season, and that you know is found by the stewards to be dirty. That uh, you know we will remove points from you as well as to you know preserve justice, and that the the, the right driver ultimately goes on to win. So whether or not they will uh, heed Damon's advice remains to be seen. But uh, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come down to that. We we don't want. We don't want controversy. I mean, it's been an exciting couple of races. I mean, it's been a bit of a nail-biter for, for Max Verstappen fans since uh, Brazil because Lewis has just been uh, in another level. His car has been in another level. And he's been slowly nibbling away at uh, at Max's lead in the championship with a couple of races uh, to, to to go. And I mean, it's, it's really stoked the embers. It's, it's, it's really kept that interest on, uh, you know, really at a, at, uh, at a high point, right? I mean, everybody's excited for these last two last two races to see who's ultimately going to win it is max going to hang on is uh, is lewis going to be able to pull it off and win that eighth uh, world championship i mean there, there's, there's so many different threads to pull on here and uh, certainly a controversial incident would certainly ruin it for one and all anyways time for another break here don't go away i'll be back in just a moment uh, shout out to, to thomas who joining us in the live chat on uh, youtube Good to see you, uh, catching it uh, for the first time live. Uh, welcome aboard. And uh, like I said, I'll catch you guys on the flip side. I'll be back in just a very short moment after a quick word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Um, F1 color man Martin Brundle from Sky Sports says that Lewis Hamilton has moved into what he calls overdrive in his bid to win the world championship and uh, lock up a uh, record eighth world championship. Uh, Brundle, who was uh, speaking to motorsport.com earlier this week, had to say the, quali- or the, the following quote. It's almost like he's moved into overdrive. He used to do that after the summer break and people just didn't see which way he went when he took his Mercedes titles. And I think he's done the same again, probably a bit later in the day. And Mercedes have done the same thing as Lewis has done. And all of a sudden you wonder if he's now not the favorite for the champion with this kind of momentum, but only needs some kind of trip up, reliability, contact, puncture, whatever, and Max can take the title next weekend. Probably won't, but could. So it's finally balanced. I think the ebb of flow of the season is what Red Bull will be very much hoping for. End quote. Sure. I mean, that. I think that uh, Brundle has very, uh, very well summed it up in uh, that uh, that short uh, quote. There, there's no doubt that Lewis has been functioning on a uh, on a different level over the past uh, several races. Certainly, his car has been superior over the past two if not three races well I mean the last two races uh, for sure whether or not uh, it's going to be the car again uh, this weekend at Jeddah remains to be seen I mean this track is uh, still an unknown and as of the time of this uh, recording nobody's been out on the track here yet so we don't know who's going to be quick who's not going to be quick so we're going to be watching this was extra fascination over the next uh, couple of days before the lights even go green on uh, Sunday afternoon but that's the thing with sports, right? I mean, when you're hot, you're hot, and you're not. When you're not, you're not. I mean, I hate to to break out the cliches, but you know, my back's up against the wall. What with my partner not here tonight. But joking aside, I think that uh, Martin uh, really does uh, nail it because uh, I mean, Lewis is doing all the things he needs to do right now. But uh, the thing is that momentum can really be quite uh, cruel. I mean, he was very much doing the same thing five years ago when he was uh, chasing down Nico Rosberg in the championship until he had his engine let go in Malaysia. And I still can remember that radio transmission, a very uh, despondent sounding Lewis Hamilton after the engine let go. And I mean, the the season wasn't over then, but uh, I mean, he did win all the, uh, he won out uh, from, from there, right? But the thing was, Nico was only pushing it as hard as he needed needed to. I mean, he was basically just trying to keep his nose clean, not pushing the car harder than he needed to, was trying to avoid contact and uh, just do everything he needed to do, get the points that he needed. And if Lewis had to push more to 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 get the wins and close the gap, and I mean, ultimately, Nico only won by five points. So it was pretty, pretty small. I mean, much like the gap is that we have uh, right now between Lewis and Max, and who knows where it's, uh, it's going to end up uh, by the time we get to Yas Marina in a couple of weeks. But the thing is, too, I mean, Mercedes have literally been bulletproof since uh, 2014, but I mean, they haven't been infallible. I mean, we've seen from time to time that uh, they've had mechanical issues, but whenever they have, they've always come back and they've been uh, stronger for it. And certainly they've looked pretty invincible over the past uh, couple of uh, races. But, you know, he could touch a wall. He could uh, make contact with another driver. He could pick up a puncture, like Martin said, and those could be uh, game changers right there. I mean, if... uh, um, he drops out of the points, then all those uh, scenarios pop into play that if uh, he doesn't finish, then Max scores X number of points, then Max sews up the championship this weekend. And, you know, it certainly seems a little bit kind of surreal to actually you know, talk about that right now when the season seems like it's literally gone on forever. I mean, I guess that's sort of um, a reflection of living in the, the, the pandemic. I mean, everything seems like it's been going on forever over the past uh, 18 months. But going back to the, the, the first race of 
of year at Bahrain back in March. I mean, that seems like an eternity ago. And I mean, there's been lots of great uh, moments, uh, you know, since then, but it really kind of came in was a real reality check uh, for me last week when we were looking at some of the different scenarios, Mark and I, and just talking about, well, well, if if Max does this and this happens, et cetera, et cetera, then he could tie up the championship and win uh, the, this weekend. And that was, you know, a real, real kind of a wake up uh, call for me. But uh, this is uh, where we are. But I mean, the, the thing is that you know, I, I mean, Lewis can still win this one. Let's let's not uh, kid ourselves, right? The thing is that even though Max still has a slim lead of, what is it, eight points, nine points? I don't have the championship uh, right uh, in front of me at the moment. The thing is, he does have that little bit of a cushion. So if Lewis is going to win this one, he's got to push that extra harder. He's got to do a little bit more work. And although he's had the, the, the momentum behind him the last couple of races... Ultimately, is it going to be enough? And is that uh, momentum going to sustain itself over the course of the next uh, two races? Or, as they always say, everything that goes up must come down at some point. And is Lewis's luck and his momentum going to run out and uh, at the, the most inopportune time and uh, really you know, spoil that opportunity that, that, that he has uh, to, to win the championship this year? Who knows? Like I say, it's, it's a big unknown this uh, weekend, and that's what uh, makes this uh, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix just that more fascinating. Now, sticking within uh, Mercedes, uh, Martin Brundle weighing in on uh, not just Lewis Hamilton, but also his teammate uh, Valtteri Bottas, believes that VB will um, play a bigger role in uh, deciding the, the, the title battle this uh, season uh, in uh, for, for Mercedes than his counterpart at Red Bull, uh, Checo Perez, will. Now, this is a kind of an interesting one. And, and let's be fair. I mean, since uh, Valtteri moved to, to uh, Mercedes at uh, the beginning of uh, 2017, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, we sometimes um, unfairly tease and make fun of uh, Valtteri Bottas on this uh, the, this program. And, I mean, it's all in jest. It's all in good fun. I mean, we Mark and I both have a lot of respect for, for Valtteri as a driver and what he's uh, done in Formula One. And certainly he's delivered the goods uh, for, for Mercedes. I mean, he's been the ideal teammate for Lewis Hamilton. He's never quite uh, obviously been on that, uh, you know, that, that level to win the championship himself. But I mean... He's won enough races. He's won, you know, he's done what he's needed to do to help them win uh, Constructors' Championships uh, as well. And uh, I think that's why they they love him and respect him in that team, despite the fact that he's going to be moving on. Uh, This is his 100th race for Mercedes uh, this weekend. So, you know, he's got that century for the Silver Arrows. And, uh, you know, we'll assume that uh, that he'll, uh, you know, make it 101 at Yas Marina in a couple of weeks. But... I mean, he really has done a phenomenal uh, job for them uh, over that uh, time. Anyways, um, Martin had to say, quote, I think, honestly, it's possible Valtteri could finish in front of Max more than Sergio could finish in front of Lewis. So I think that might just uh, play into the title. One of these last two races, it's just possible Valtteri might take some points off Max somewhere. And I don't see Sergio taking points off Lewis. Uh, there are 88 points still on the table for the constructors. So another one that could go either way. It just depends on, I don't know if the Mercedes really flies and Valtteri has one of those days like in Istanbul, for example, or the sprint race in Brazil and quote, and certainly, you know, that's a, a really great point. I mean, the, the thing is, um, 
Perez has struggled at times uh, th- this year for Red Bull. I mean, you know, it's it's difficult to expect uh, him to do that job for Red Bull that uh, that that Bottas has done for Mercedes over the past uh, several years. Uh, you know, for for a first year driver, Red Bull compared to a guy that's uh, you know well and truly entrenched at uh, Mercedes, knows the car, knows the team, knows everything. Whereas uh, Checo has been learning a little bit on the fly. But I mean, as much as he struggled, especially in the first uh, half third of the season. I mean, he's uh, been a little bit more solid. I mean, he won a race uh, this uh, season. So, I mean, the thing is, he can get it done at uh, at times. And the thing is, he's he's going to realize it himself. I mean, I, I don't think that, uh, that there's anybody that needs to remind Sergio Perez of what's on the line at uh, at Red Bull, not just for, for Max Verstappen, but also for the team. And I think that if Sergio can influence that championship, either championship for that fact, uh, for, for the better, either helping Max win the, his first uh, driver's championship or helping Red Bull and Honda win a constructor's championship, you know he's going to be all in. I mean, he's he's a pro. He's been in Formula One for a long time. I mean, he's, he's a good driver. He's a capable driver. But in that head-to-head battle, in, in that supporting role against uh, Valtteri Bottas, you know, I, I think that Martin Brundle makes a good point that uh, that you have to give that edge to to Valtteri Bottas. But who knows? Maybe Checo finds some magic over the past uh, couple of races. And again, this is just one of these an- another one of these fascinating threads to pull on and talk about over the next uh, next couple of w- uh, weeks. Okay, we're going to move over from Mercedes. We're going to talk. Uh, got a couple of stories here about uh, McLaren. Going to start uh, the the first uh, one here at least uh, before come up uh, against uh, the, the the break here in a couple of uh, minutes, and uh, Lando Norris. Go to Lando says that uh, he believes that uh, Danny Ricardo is a first year teammate at uh, at McLaren. Believes that that he will make things click when uh, he gets uh, or he can make or strike back when things begin to click at uh, McLaren. I'm getting my my metaphors and my adjectives all uh, mixed up here. So, <laughs> anyways. Uh, Lando and uh, Ricardo, obviously in their first year as uh, teammates at McLaren. Lando is currently on 153 points in the drivers' uh, championship compared to 105 for for Danny Ricardo. I mean, that's nothing to turn your nose up at. But I mean, Ricardo obviously has struggled at time. I mean, he won the Italian Grand Prix at Monza at the end of the summer there, which was absolutely fantastic. I mean, that was memorable. But I mean, as a team, they, they they've struggled since then. Ricardo, he's been a little bit up and down all season long. And it's just been uh, pretty um, obvious that uh, Danny Rick just hasn't been quite at home in that McLaren. Now, fortunately for Danny Ricardo, that this is the only year he's going to have to contend with this car going into 22 everybody's in the same boat and of course he'll have had uh, hopefully input and feedback and and know what's going to be up with the, the the new car for 22 so that is one factor that's going to be I, I guess taken away from 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 him and kind of puts him on a level f- playing field not just with his teammate but the other 18 drivers 19 drivers in in, in Formula One anyways uh, Lando had the following to say about uh, Ricardo and his uh, rivalry with his uh, teammate he said quote I think it's been very good for me it's also been one of the parts making me enjoy a bit more the environment. 
there's always that question when you go up against a driver like that, are you going to do well? Is he going to beat me in every single qualifying or race uh, of the season? Those thoughts that go through your head a little bit uh, for the year. So when uh, none of those happens, you feel like, okay, if I can do this against him and he could beat this guy when he was in the same car, then I must be in a decent place. So it makes you think good things. But then on the flip side, it doesn't make me feel like I'm suddenly the best driver in the world. There have been some races where he has been quicker than me and uh, qualifying sessions where he's been a bit quicker. I know he's still Daniel. Once he clicks and he finds his way and so on, I hope to still be quicker than him. But I know it's not going to be like I'm always quicker because he's a very, very good uh, driver. But my confidence has definitely come up with how I feel like I've performed and it's not necessary at all because I've beaten Daniel, end quote. Well, I mean, a couple of things there. I mean, I think uh, that uh, he's paying his uh, teammates uh, some respect. Obviously, uh, Lando finds himself uh, perhaps a little bit uh, surprised to, to be in the position that he's in, that uh, that he has uh, been at, you know faster than uh, Danny Ricardo in races and in qualifying, etc. over you know a large uh, portion of the, 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 the season. But on the same time, I mean, he's paying the res- uh, respect to, to Danny Ricardo that he deserves, knowing that he's still a very, very good uh, driver. And I, I think that's the one thing that, that, that we've all been waiting for since 2017, right? I mean, Ricardo won races, got on the podium quite a few times in his uh, Red Bull career. We saw it uh, twice last year at uh, at Renault. He got a couple of podiums at the tail end of that season, even though Abitabul never lived up to his part of the bargain and got that tattoo after that first podium at the, the Nürburgring. And then, uh, you know, winning the uh, Italian Grand Prix this year. I mean, you know, struggles or not, I mean, things like that aren't flukes. I mean, th- those are still indications that uh, th- this is a guy that's still a very, very good driver. I mean, he's starting to, he's not old, I mean, but I mean, he is starting to get up there a little bit in terms of his, uh, you know, age in, in Formula One. So I think if you're Danny Ricardo, that has to be a bit of an issue realizing, okay, well, you know, I've got to get this thing turned around. I'm in a good spot right now. I'm in a good team. We've got a good car. We've got going into new era. We've got Mercedes power. And, you know, if it's going to happen, it's got to be soon. And if it's not going to be happen here, where else is going to happen? Because, you know, honestly, I don't know where Danny Ricardo goes after, you know, if he was to leave uh, McLaren. I mean, we, we talked uh, last week, Mark and I, about, uh, you know, the, the complicated legacy of uh, Fernando Alonso, not that uh, that Fernando and, uh, and Ricardo are on the same level. I mean, Fernando, of course, being a double uh, world champion, Ricardo hasn't, but I mean, still, I mean, he's a very good driver, started out with a good team, had some very good uh, moments at, at Red Bull, and obviously those th- those good mo- moments and those, uh, you know, th- those really impressive, um, you know, tallies and, uh, and victories and podiums have been hard to come by uh, ever since, and I think that Danny's got to be very, very uh, aware of that. Anyways, got some more McLaren stories coming up in just a moment, going to take one final break here on the show, so don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And Lando Norris, yeah, we were talking about him just before the break. He believes that the 2022 cars are going to be what he says uh, on edge, like F2 cars. So it's going to be uh, you know, really exciting to see. I mean, uh, very interesting. I mean, uh, Norris will have obviously uh, been a little bit more in the know than the rest of us. And Lando had uh, the following to say, quote, definitely there will be a slightly different style. I don't think it'll be nice to uh, as nice to drive in a way. I think it'll be a bit more on the limit in terms of pushing and so on. A little bit like F2 in a way, I think, where you could be fighting the car and stuff. But I could be wrong because uh, things are always changing. It's like what I drove one month ago is going to be quite very different to what I drive now. And it's going to be very different probably again when we get to that first race, end quote. Yeah, I mean, that that sort of sums it up. I mean, he's obviously, uh, you know, had some sort of briefing of some sort of expectations for, for, for next year, but basically contradicting himself in that quote saying, okay, this is what I expect, but also on the flip side, I don't really know what to expect because it's changing so quickly. And final Lando Norris story, he's actually going set to move from the United Kingdom down to Monaco, uh, which uh, he says is the the perfect uh, timing from a career and financial perspective. Now for myself, I'm still waiting to be able to to say that uh, my move to Monaco is really the perfect timing for my career and financial perspective. And I feel that, um, yeah, I'm going to be waiting to say that a lot longer than uh, Lando Norris was. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, joking aside, moving along now, we're going to talk a a little bit uh, about the, uh, the the new race in Saudi Arabia. But before we get to, to that, this one has obviously been a bit controversial. I mean, there's been the whole discussion about the sports washing and, you know, the human rights uh, concerns in the country and all those issues. Some drivers like Lewis Hamilton have been very vocal about that. We're going to get to uh, Lewis's quotes in uh, just a moment. But uh, Sebastian Vettel, four-time uh, world champion, current uh, Aston Martin driver, He's been more vocal uh, this year, standing up for, for equal rights uh, things, uh, issues, and uh, and using his uh, position in the sport as a Formula One driver, as a world champion, to to make some positive statements. And uh, he's really been uh, promoting equality, as I say. And he's been very open about uh, being uneasy about some of the uh, the attitudes towards women in Saudi Arabia that are, are common. I'm just going to relate. I've never been there. I can't speak from this uh, from firsthand. Anyways. Uh, Uh, What uh, Seb uh, did this week was uh, he hired a local karting track, invited some of the local female drivers so he could learn more about uh, the real situation. And um, I I think this is a really cool thing. Anyways, uh, Seb had the following to say, quote, Obviously, there's been a lot of talk and thought about heading into the race here for the first time in Saudi Arabia. There are a lot of questions that have been asked and I have asked myself, so I was thinking of what I can do. There's been so much attention on negative examples when it comes to the shortcomings of certain countries in regards to maybe human rights and other things, so I really tried to think of the positives. I set up my own karting event under the hashtag Race for Women, and I think a group of seven or eight girls and women were on the track. We set up a nice event only for them, and I was trying to pass on some of my experiences of li- in life and on the track to do something together to grow their confidence. So I think that's uh, you know, really, really cool. Um, then he goes on to say, uh, quote, I have to say I was inspired by their stories and their background and the positivity about the change in the country. 
It's true that if we look through a Western European lens, that there are still a lot of things that should be improved and have to be addressed. But it is also true that some things are changing. And for those people, it makes a huge difference. At the end, it is very difficult for us coming to a country. We only spend a couple of days and we try to be the perfect judge, but not knowing the background exactly and the people inside out. But I think it in this way, I think it was important for me to get to know these women. I think it was a memorable and inspiring day and a great way to kick off our weekend, as I said, focusing on the positive. And I think that's great. I mean, a, a lot of it, I think, uh, does come down to perspective, understanding different cultures, understanding people. And I think that uh, that's a really good approach from uh, Sebastian Vettel to, to, to do something positive and try and learn firsthand uh, what's going on and, you know, from, from people that live there and experience life in the country rather than, you know, from a secondhand source and just based on his experience in, you know, a pretty insulated and separate uh, bubble from the rest of uh, society, regardless what, you know, what country they might be in, in the form of the Formula One, uh, you know, paddock. So I think that's uh, great uh, from Sebastian Vettel. Now, Lewis Hamilton, on the other hand, I mean, he's been pretty outspoken about this uh, for for quite uh, a while. He said that he doesn't feel overly comfortable about racing in uh, Saudi Arabia due to their human rights uh, records. And uh, Lewis, um, you know, he he did uh, well a couple of weeks ago in Qatar. He uh, rocked the uh, the rainbow colored uh, livery on his helmet to, to support the LGBTQ plus community, and he's going to do it again in Jeddah this weekend and also in Abu Dhabi in uh, next weekend and uh, when he was speaking to the media earlier on Thursday Hamilton said that uh, he believes Formula One is duty-bound to help raise awareness for certain issues at sea with human rights in these countries we are going to end quote so I mean I think that's a very uh, you know a very good point uh, that he makes uh, makes obviously and uh, Lewis went on to say quote do I feel comfortable here I wouldn't say I do, but it's not my choice to be here. The sport has taken the choice to be here, and whether it's right or wrong, I think whilst we are here again, I feel it is important to raise awareness. For example, at the last race in Qatar, you saw the helmet that I wore. I will wear again here and the next race because that is an issue. There is changes that needs to be made." End quote. So yeah, for sure, definitely. And I think that, um, you know, it's important to raise uh, these uh, issues. And I, you know, I just hope that uh, Lewis, like uh, Sebastian Vettel, both of them do so respectfully and, uh, you know, and in a positive way that uh, they can do. And I don't suggest that uh, Lewis is going to do otherwise. Now, just moving along, sticking with the Mercedes, this is another interesting story that just sort of popped up um, on my radar earlier today. And this doesn't, uh, you know, have uh, anything to do with uh, the, the, the Grand Prix, the weekend. But this has to do with a a new sponsor for Mercedes. Now, this is in the form of um, a company, an Irish company, uh, by the name Kingspan, that uh, made some of the insulation that was used on the refurbishment of uh, the Greenfell Tower, which uh, was an apartment building in London, which caught on fire back in June of 2017. 72 people were killed there. It was a horrible, horrible disaster. Um, Anyways, uh, they they have now become a sponsor of uh, Mercedes, and this has uh, not only uh, roused uh, protests and uh, you know uh, you know 
obviously upset uh, survivors and families of the, the survivors. Michael Gove, who is the uh, Secretary of State for Leveling Up Housing and Communities in the UK, spoke out uh, you know, after the uh, survivors of the deal uh, with uh, between Kingspan and uh, Mercedes uh, was uh, truly shocking. And uh, Gove went on to say, uh, quote, deeply disappointed Mercedes are accepting sponsorship from cladding firm Kingspan while the Grenfell inquiring is ongoing, end quote. So, uh, yeah, this, this, you know, obviously is, uh, you know, th- this is an interesting one. I mean, Lewis has obviously uh, spoken up on, uh, you know, multiple, multiple issues. I just can't help uh, but wonder, will he, you know, say something uh, about this? Um, anyways, um, there were some things that were saying that, uh, uh, that went out. Uh, the survivors group uh, Grenfell United said uh, in a letter on Thursday to uh, Total Wolf, team principal of uh, Mercedes, in part, quote, Kingspan played a central role in inflicting the pain and suffering that we feel today, and there must be a degree of public censure for Kingspan's recklessness and carelessness for human life. End quote. They also called on Total Wolf to immediately sever their relationship with uh, Kingspan. So, an interesting one, and I only came across this one because I was looking up uh, something for another uh, question that came into the mailbag, which I'll get to in just a couple of minutes. So, this is uh, cer- certainly something to uh, keep an eye on and uh, see if it uh, develops over the coming days and weeks. Well, let's take a look now at uh, the race itself. Obviously, the uh, the race is. Uh, going to be a, a big unknown but let's let's take a look at what we know so the circuit itself is 6.17 kilometers or 3.84 miles in length that uh, total race length is 308.45 kilometers or 191.66 miles uh, total laps will be uh, 50 and if you've seen any of the um, any of the simulations out there or even some of the uh, the, the laps around uh, the new Jetta Corniche circuit uh, courtesy of the, uh, the 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 safety car etc it really looks like a, a very very in- impressive track you know shout out to to Zachary listener member of the community saying that uh, it seems that it's been updated in the uh, the official Formula One game. Haven't had a chance to, to look uh, myself recently and see if it's uh, been updated. Always like to kind of get a feel for myself, what the tracks look like and kind of get a feel for the flow. Obviously, as I always say, it's not the same as a real Formula One car, but certainly from a fan's point of view, it uh, it gives a bit of a, a different feel when you can kind of see it and uh, kind of um, anticipate and kind of feel the uh, the, the flow of the track uh, for, for yourself, even though it's from a, a video game uh, point of uh, view. Anyways, Carlos Sainz, Ferrari driver, is urging the marshals to stay sharp and uh, amid what he says are you know accident uh, risks uh, for you know, and he sees a potential for high speed accidents on the track. And uh, Carlos had to say, "quote Obviously, as a driver, you try not to think about uh, this much, um, and you try not to focus on these kind of things, and fully rely on the FIA standards that they normally uh, are pretty accurate and pretty good. The only thing that as drivers we've talked about that if." There is a crash in front of you. Three seconds in front of you, we are doing above 250 kilometers an hour in every corner, and there's not going to be time for us to react because there's a wall in between the crash and ourselves. We cannot see through the walls. And this is maybe the only big point to raise with the FAA, just to stay sharp with the yellow flags and safety cars, red flags, because it's going to be an interesting one, end quote. Uh, Pierre Gasly from Alpha Tauri, he agreed with Carlos Sainz. He had to say, quote, 
I think we all know about it and we all thought about it. And I think for the marshals, it will be important to be really fast and efficient to react because whenever you shunt, basically the car will bounce back onto the track and the average speed is here, 250 kilometers per hour. So it's going to be a busy weekend for the guys and hopefully they're going to be on top of it, end quote. So very, very uh, interesting and uh, certainly uh, looking forward to to this one. Carla Sainz uh, also had to say that uh, he believes that this uh, new uh, track will uh, compress uh, the midfield uh, battle. Uh, Carlos had to say, quote, the last few tracks, it's a bit of an unknown. Obviously, Jetta, we have no idea what we are going to find there. It looks like a very high-speed circuit, and we have seen in a high-speed circuit uh, that with cars like Alpine, McLaren, and Alpha Tauri, all of a sudden the field compresses a lot when it's a high-speed circuit. So it could be a very tight battle in Jetta. Then in Abu Dhabi, with the new changes they've done, to the track. Also, it looks like a higher speed track than what it used to be. There are less chicanes and more high speed nature. This could also bring the whole midfield back together. So it'll be a very, very tough couple of races. But if we continue working as we are working as a team, I think we can be confident that we keep bringing up points back and delivering like we are trying to, end quote. And, you know, that is uh, very, very interesting. But I I think, uh, you know, as uh, Mark and I had uh, talked about uh, recently, uh, last week, uh, just the the, the way that... uh, uh, McLaren has struggled over the past uh, number of races and the way that uh, Ferrari's been more consistent in the last uh, third of the season that that um, that constructors battle for third place between McLaren and Ferrari it's it's not over but it, it's certainly going to be a lot more difficult to, for Ferrari to catch up I mean if you look at the constructors right now Mercedes uh, leading the way at 546 uh, Red Bull 541 and a half so I mean only five points uh, between the two of them you have Ferrari at 297 and a half and McLaren back at 258 so unless something really really drastic happens uh, between Mercedes and Red Bull and uh, Ferrari suddenly suffers a loss of form then I, I find that that's that that gap between McLaren and uh, Ferrari is just a, a little bit uh, too uh, difficult uh, and, uh, to close at uh, this, uh, this point. But then just uh, looking uh, also at the um, at the tires that Pirelli's uh, bringing uh, this weekend, just to kind of get back to the race itself, they're bringing their C2 hard, C1 medium, and their C4 soft, so kind of the mid-range compounds uh, for, for the track. So it's going to be uh, very, very uh, interesting uh, to, to see. I'm, I'm going to be interesting to see where the lap times go over the course of the weekend. Of course, you know, it's it's just logical to expect that uh, perhaps at the start of the weekend and uh, going through practice that the um, that, that the track times are going to evolve and improve over the weekend itself. And it's going to be really fascinating to when we get to Saturday to see where the, the pull time actually comes out to. So just before I actually I want to do the mailbag before we go tonight. Um, but we before we do that, uh, let's just look at the driver standings. Uh, Max Verstappen, 351 and a half, eight points ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton with 343 and a half. Valtteri Bottas, 203 points, not that far ahead of Sergio Perez, who is fourth with 190 points. Lando Norris is fifth in the championship with 153. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, very close behind them. Charles is sixth in the driver's championship with 152. And then Carlos is uh, not that far behind with 145 and a half points as, uh, as well. So plenty of interesting things to, um, to, to watch this week. Weekend, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Are, are, are we going to go with a, um, a, um, a a Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton win this weekend, or is it uh, too difficult to, to call? I, I really don't know to. Um, 
to you know to, to to break that predict this one. I mean, it, it's it's very very difficult um, that uh, you know when, when you come to a new track like a Jetta and 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 everything's brand new, and uh, it's 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 difficult to predict. So I mean, I'm thinking that Lewis is going to win this one just based on the fact, and you know, this is going to be a very very unscientific approach to this one. But I think Lewis is going to win just based on the fact that he has had such a good car over the past couple of races. He himself has been very good over the past uh, couple of races. And uh, I think he has that championship firmly in, 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 in sight. But again, I think that Max uh, being in the position that he's in, I think that uh, that he's going to do what he needs to do. And I think if he has the opportunity to win the race, he'll take that win. But if, um, you know, if that if that's not there, I think he's going to do everything that he can do to try and pr- protect the position and the lead that he has in, in the championship. So there you go. I think Lewis is going to win, but again, I'm going to put an asterisk beside it that maybe he won't. <laughs> so, anyways, check back with me on Sunday night when I wrap up the race, and let's uh, let let's see where it goes. Rocky just in the live chat saying track is new, perfect, uh, or sorry, track is new to predict, kind of exciting that way, and totally it is, just because it is uh, so new. Anyways, um, I just wanted before I. Get into the mailbag. I just want to thank uh, everybody for um, all the emails and tweets uh, this week. Just going to go over a couple of emails uh, at the moment. Uh, the first one comes from uh, Yaron Shkop in uh, Israel. This is a is a new one. Uh, the first time, at least to my uh, knowledge, that uh, we've had a listener from Israel uh, checking in. Also, I had somebody checking in from Taiwan this week, which is uh, awesome. Of course, uh, plenty of people here at home in North America. Uh, usually, uh, our biggest countries are USA, Canada, Great Britain, Australia. And uh, but really cool to see that the show is getting listens uh, basically uh, everywhere. So Yaron, thank you very much. Anyways, his email as follows: Hello, Mark and Mark. I'm Yaron from Israel. Kind of new to the sport, but I'm a fast learner. I have a question that bothers me from mid-season about transparency and FIA regulations. When a team like Mercedes demonstrates a vast improvement over their average speeds during the season beyond some threshold, shouldn't there be any regulation that the FIA automatically investigate? Why do competing teams have to guess what? modifications were done to achieve it, that tokens have been used in a proper way, etc. Shouldn't the FIA get some definitive answers about some significant performance change? I would love to hear your thoughts and learn your on. Well, thank you very much uh, for the uh, the email. And of course, uh, when we see this quite often, the machinations and the, the political nature of Formula One whenever there is suspected infringements uh, going on. And, and, and let's not forget that the, the FIA is currently, uh, is constantly uh, looking at these cars, they go through scrutineering all the time. I mean, uh, this uh, this year we've already seen that technical directive that was uh, released about the flexi wings that came in. I think in force what was it for the French Grand Prix at the you know earlier in the summer. And we've seen technical directives issued um, on a fairly consistent basis a couple of years ago. One of the other ones was the the the, the burning of oil, and uh, you know the the whole you know the the whole saga with the Ferrari. So I mean, certainly, if uh, I I don't know if. Um, I think if it was huge, if there was that, uh, that that would raise a lot of suspicion. But I think if there was a massive, uh, you know, change in their average uh, see, or speed, I think everybody in the rest of the paddock would sit up uh, and and take notice. And using Euron's example, that say example, it was a Mercedes. That okay, 
they've been quick, but all of a sudden they are so much quicker than everyone else. Just knowing uh, Red Bull and just knowing what uh, Christian Horner is like, they're going to start raising questions and making, uh, you know, making comments about that uh, right away. And 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 quite often in these situations, not not necessarily that Red Bull says it, but if a number of teams do have questions, then things get looked into, and certainly these uh, technical uh, directives uh, get uh, get issued. Because I mean, the thing is, they always have like this framework to 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 work within within the rules right but i mean the thing that is a formula one that there's always ingenuity and design that goes into it and just because the rule says x y and z doesn't mean that well i mean sometimes you know that uh, i mean some of the things are obviously set in stone like the width the height the weights of the car it, you know th- those sorts of things are very hard numbers but there there are other areas that uh, if there's any kind of a leeway or a bit of a gray area in the rule i mean the teams and the the engineers and the designers will always try and exploit them so i mean that 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 is their job to to try and exact every ounce of performance wherever they can be it in the engines be it in the aerodynamics whatever it might might be and on, on the flip side it is in the uh, the the, uh, the the role of the FIA to close those loopholes if they're there to police them and make sure that those uh, that the teams are not uh, doing anything that they shouldn't and getting an unfair advantage I mean another one would be like uh, the, the the I wouldn't say well maybe it was a controversy but the design that uh, that Braun GP came out with back in 2009 that kind of took everybody uh, by surprise and by and large really powered them to uh, a world championship uh, that that year, uh, because it took everybody, uh, you know, a while to catch up and do what they were, were doing. I mean, they were able to exploit the rules in a way that worked uh, to to their benefits. Uh, I mean, a, a more recent example, like I said, was the flexi wings, also the the oil burning thing, and then also there is that whole bitter tasting episode with uh, Ferrari and everything after the uh, was a 2019 season and everything you know, with like the, the supposed illegal fuel maps and and whatnot and the, the whole secret deal that they had with the FAA and all the speculation and conspiracy theories that uh, go along with that so a uh, great question thank you for that uh, Yaron uh, hope I answered your question uh, next one comes from uh, Chris McGuire says uh, Mark and Mark I'm really enjoying your pod I've been listening for about a year after getting back into F1 over the past few years, thanks to DTS. I used to watch growing up in England in the 90s, but I, when I moved to the US in 2000, I kind of got disconnected. DTS and your pod have been a great way for me to reconnect. I also introduced a work colleague to F1 and your pod recently by having him go through the crash course of Rush, Senna, Schumacher, and DTS, and now he's hooked. My question is about the impact uh, of drivers' rightful outspoken uh, criticism of uh, Saudi Arabia on their human right, uh, rights record, specifically Lewis saying, it's not my choice to go and race. Sarah Andrew Benson of the BBC article and wearing his rainbow flag helmet. With Patronus ending their sponsorship of Mercedes, my understanding is that Aramco may take over being their lead sponsor. However, state-owned company, with the, will the criticism and claims of sport washing have any effect on that decision? Thanks, Chris McGuire. Philly suburbs, but originally from Essex, England. So I think I kind of partially end, or uh, talked about that uh, a little bit uh, earlier, but yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, really, uh, you know, a great uh, topic. I mean, just in general, the whole sports washing thing and uh, just some of the things that Sebastian Vettel were saying and also Lewis and specifically as Chris is uh, referencing again, the not my choice to race in Saudi Arabia and uh, wearing the rainbow flag helmet. And then also this, no, I I did look into this and I'm, I'm, 
currently not aware that the Patronus deal with the you know sponsorship of Mercedes has ended, but it certainly was a rumor a month ago. It was it was quashed at the time, but as Chris mentions, uh, the 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 like the the speculation was that uh, Aramco, which is a, a Saudi Arabian company, would uh, take over being the lead sponsor of um, of uh, Mercedes. But as I just uh, mentioned, when I was I was actually looking this one up uh, when I came across that. Uh, that sponsorship deal with that uh, Irish uh, insulator, that Kingspan or whatever it was, and some of the outrage and criticism that that's uh, generated uh, so far from the survivors and a government minister in the United Kingdom, that uh, that potentially that uh, you know a deal with Aramco might be more problematic uh, for Mercedes. That's why I think that it might be uh, interesting you know, where that one's going to go. I mean, I, I don't want to make a light of that uh, that whole tragic situation, and I'm not trying. Trying to trivialize that uh, you know the, the the sponsorship deal or anything of that uh, of, of that uh, nature, but I mean Chris raises a really good point about uh, sports washing and um, certainly it, it's it's a difficult difficult one. You know I, I'd like to say no we shouldn't race here or no we shouldn't do that or we should do this and. It, it, it's complicated, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 one thing to to hold up morals and principles and ethics, and you know, it's it's. I, I just don't think it's as clear cut as that. I mean, the I guess the easy way to say that one uh, would be well, it would have been easier if uh, Formula One just didn't go to Saudi Arabia to begin with, but they did, and uh, here we are. And I, I think that the best thing that we can do right now is what what drivers like Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel are doing is trying to understand the situation and you know r- raise awareness. And uh, you know, Sebastian, I think was, I think he brought a really level-headed approach to it and said, okay, well, this is what my understanding was. This is what, you know, this is what I came into, but I have to realize I'm only going to be here for a little while, but this is a cause that I'm passionate about. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to invite some uh, some women uh, drivers to come to an event that I'm holding and speak to them one-on-one and find out uh, for, for myself. And I think that even Sebastian is kind of realizing maybe this is a little bit more complicated uh, situation than I realize. You know, I, I really don't know how to answer that one correctly. I mean, that's perhaps a, a little bit more difficult to, if I had Mark here to help me out uh, a little bit more and maybe uh, bounce some other uh, uh, you know, points of view off, uh, off, uh, you know, off me or, you know, I'll put it out there because Mark has spent a lot of time in the Middle East. I mean, he was in Dubai and, uh, you know, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's a lot more familiar with the people and the culture than, than I'm certainly am. Anyways, I just look at the time here. It is, uh, being, um, you know, almost an hour and 10 minutes. I thought, you know, if I can get this thing going for like 30, 40 minutes, uh, at most on my own here, that would be awesome until Mark gets back. Hopefully next week week or the week after at the very latest but you know it is what it is i hope that uh, that that i did uh, a decent job it's kind of weird to be doing this on my own again after you know mark and i teamed up uh, over a year ago uh, but uh, certainly it's been a little bit difficult over the last couple of weeks since mark has been in the middle east uh, what the time hour uh, t- sorry the 12 hour time difference between uh, vancouver and uh, dubai and his uh, work schedule and his holiday time it's been kind of uh, difficult to, to to make it line up but i'm i I think I did okay. 
I tried my hardest, and I think that's the most important thing. Anyways, again, uh, before I go, I'll let you guys uh, go uh, again for uh, tonight. Again, uh, if you want to get in on that Race Weekend magazine uh, uh, contest that we're doing, giving away a free subscription, go to Twitter at ScooterF1Pod and uh, find the tweets. Follow us, like it, retweet it. That automatically enters you. We will give away one free subscription to one lucky listener wherever you are in the world. So we'll hook you up with that. And if you want to check out their uh, website, it's theraceweekend.com. And that is the T H E race R A C E and weekend W K N D dot com. And certainly uh, check them out. And if you want to get in touch with me, by all means do so. Uh, you can send an email to scooteryf1pod at gmail.com. I answer the emails, or sometimes I do, but I always try to read them out if I don't respond to them. And Mark usually handles, handles the Twitter. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thanks uh, for all of you who checked in onto the live stream tonight much appreciate the uh, the company guys enjoy the race be back on sunday night i will also be on the tsn racing point or sorry racing pod with our good friend tim haraney on sunday so there'll be a bit of uh, you know extra content to, to look out to, for that as well so when that uh, drops in addition to this show i will let you guys know so until then have a great weekend enjoy your friday enjoy your weekend enjoy the grand prix talk to you again on sunday night take care and stay in touch and we'll talk to you again soon Bye for now.